0: Welcome to another episode of the MMA Lockcast. I'm your host, Manpreet, a.k.a. MMA Lock of the Night, and your boy on Twitter at MMALOT. And this week, we're going over the big UFC 270 card between Francis Ngannou and Cyril Gan. The heavyweight strap is on the line. I cannot wait for this fight. We got one punch KO power like we've never seen before in Francis Ngannou, and we got the skill, technique, and finesse of a heavyweight we've never seen before in Cyril Gan and that's stolen the caveat that they were former training partners as well so i'm very interested to see how that plays into this fight but very excited for probably one of the more anticipated heavyweight fights that we've had in a long time uh and i can't wait to break it down for you guys later on in this podcast a couple other interesting fights obviously the flyweight strap on the line as well the third time we got davison figueredo going up against brandon moreno who's now the champion so a bit of a reversal in terms of uh the positioning there but uh should still be a very fun fight and i'm excited to see whether the minus 175 minus 180 line on brandon moreno is justified especially considering that figueredo was a pretty heavy uh favorite in their first two fights now we are their first the yeah their first two fights we'll see how it plays out now in their third fight and again another uh a bunch of other great fights Cody Stamon versus uh Saeed Nurmagomedov um even uh you know the, a couple Dana White contender series uh debutants as well not just a couple we got five of them uh and uh, a handful of them were very impressive on the contender series let's see if they can bring it on over to the UFC but before we get into any of that good stuff let's go over the UFC Vegas 46 betting recap again. Again, transparency 101 your boy's full of it you won't ever see me fraudulating shit so let's get right into it uh, and it was a winning event to kick off the year let's start off with the lock of the night play which was Katlin Chukagian four units at minus 175 I also had a unit on her decision prop which was sitting at minus 118 both of those cash uh, I believe that's a total of 3.14 ish units that we were able to uh, capture on that Katlin Chukagian win again all week everybody's like what if maya wrestles what if maya takes her down guys <laughs> that's not how she fights she shot she's fought or shot four takedowns in her entire ufc career and now people all of a sudden think that she's going to be khabib because that's caitlin's apparent uh uh flaw or her weakness that Jennifer was going to be able to take advantage of. Not at all. Uh, Catelyn won that fight convincingly round ones to round three. That is a lock of the night play if I've ever seen one and I'm glad that I was able to cash on that. Next up uh, we'll go with the dog of the night play that I ended up hitting. We had Court McGee. I had a unit and a half at plus 100 on him. Again another spot where everybody's like the younger uh, faster kid is going to get his uh, you know going to beat the old geezer in this fight but Court McGee is still showing that he's hanging Around and can still compete with some solid fighters, and that's exactly what he did that night. Put an absolute beat down on Ramiz brahima didn't seem close at all, in my opinion. So, great win for Court McGee that night. Then we had a couple losses, I'll take him on the chin. First one was uh, well, I actually had a parlay of Giga Chikadze and Gabriel Benitez when he was scheduled to fight TJ Brown. Uh, that was one and a half units for I think plus 114. I could be off on that, but I ended up with Chikadze straight a unit and a half at minus 233. Absolute beatdown from Calvin Cater. A very lazy bet on my side too. So I'm going to try to avoid those spots again. Again, it's mind-numbing to me that i actually pulled the trigger on that fight really buying into the hype train that was giga chikadze coming into that main event um but again i thought he was a bad stylistic matchup for calvin cater which was uh leg kick heavy if you can continue to kick his legs and and just kind of keep him on the outside you're gonna have success but the majority of chikadze's success comes in that first round or that second round and uh, cater was successfully able to muzzle him in that first round uh by getting that uh takedown and kind of just wearing on him and then chikadze only really had one round to try to get his work going and then by then he was already starting to slow down in that second round so a good one for cater shout out to everybody that bet cater um again i wasn't heavy heavy on giga here but i wish i was on the cater side as well but shout out to everybody that cashed that and then lastly i had the under two and a half and the roy val Bontarine fight uh one and a half units at minus 150 uh i love the line but uh you know it, it didn't really end up cashing. Bontrin did a good job of shutting down Roy Val's kind of chaotic style. And even though Bontrin lost, you know, it wasn't really a Brandon Roy Val fight. Uh, there was that phantom tap that a lot of people want to talk about. I don't think he tapped. I think he was thinking about tapping. And just before he was about to tap, he goes, Oh, I'm slipping out. Then he stopped that's what i think but all in all plus 1.63 units on the event 17 percent ROI on that night we go uh three and two on bets uh again happy to end up in the green that's always the goal we have a plethora of bets that we always input as long as we end up on the green on the outside i'm good don't matter how many bets i ended up losing on the card as long as we end up with some profit in our pocket so uh happy to do that that's three straight winning events now which means all the picks are behind the Patreon wall. For those of you who've been following me for a while, you guys know as soon as I go on a three event winning streak, everything goes beyond the Patreon wall until I hit another losing event. Once that losing event comes, then the next three events are going to be free for the public as well. So I already have uh, five or six bets posted there for UFC 270. Uh, and I think I'm going to be adding maybe one or two more if you guys want to see what those are. Make sure you guys check out the Patreon. Link is in the description below. Five bucks a month. Uh, Super early access to the breakdowns, uh, especially in this new year. I've been pumping them out very, very early. I'm even going to get started on the February 5th card as soon as I'm done recording this uh, podcast as well. Um, And those are going to start to go up uh a great discord community a best uh, best bets and props article or go through every single fight and give you my best bet best prop and not to mention my mindset from a live betting perspective going into every single fight uh, a ton of content on there not to mention the pay-per-view parlay for the patrons which which is going to be going on this week where i uh put out a survey for my patrons they vote on their four most confident spots of the of the card and then i parlay those all together put 5% of my patreon take on that and And if that parlay hits, I send the winnings to a random Patreon member, which I do a live draw for the following day. So again, a ton to love on the Patreon. And uh, I'm going to continuously add more to it as well. And then lastly, shout out to CoolBet. You guys will obviously see the logo throughout the podcast as well. If you guys are watching the video version, Uh, CoolBet, coolbet CoolBet.com. Use promo code MMALOTN2. That's the number two. And they'll match your initial deposit up to 200 bucks. Great website for betting. A lot of my bets are through those guys they have great odds not to mention you can parlay props if that's something that you guys like doing as well and their live betting is phenomenal too so uh make sure you guys check out cool, cool bet they've been supporting your boy for a good amount of time now and uh, i'm going to continue to shout them out as long as they continue to support your boy so uh once again mma lotn2 is a promo code and they'll match your initial deposit up to 200 bucks all right that's a wrap on all the plugs and all the you know recaps and all that type of stuff let's get into the actual breakdowns right that's what you guys are here for so let's do that uh appreciate you guys checking out hit that like and subscribe if you haven't already uh enjoy the breakdowns and i'll see you guys on the flip side uh for the outro K. Hansen versus Jasmine Jazduvicious. We got minus two six Jan K. Hansen and plus two ten the return on the Canadian debutante, uh Jasmine Jazz Now Jasmine obviously won her uh contender series fight uh where she was able to get a decision victory over uh Polastri, I believe her name was, but she showcased a full Uh, bag of tricks in terms of her MMA game from takedowns to striking and it seemed like she was slowing down ever so slightly in that second round but luckily she was able to get that second win in the third round and able to ground the fight and do some good damage from on top as well as you know, doing whatever she needed to do optically uh, to ensure the victory that night. But she did really let it uh, start to let it go near the ending of that third round to really put a stamp on that fight and get that contract for herself. So congratulations to her. I'm obviously very, uh, well, quite familiar with her considering the fact that she's from the Southern Ontario region up here in Canada. And she's been one of the more talked about prospects over the last couple of years. If you guys have been following me for a while, you guys know I used to do a show called combat where I used to have people come in and talk about, you know, just MMA and just shoot the shit. We would, you know, have a couple drinks or whatever and just shoot the shit. And one of my guests, Jason Hagholm, uh, used to call Jasmine's fights uh, for BTC fight promotion. And uh, when I asked him who is one prospect that I should be looking out for coming out of BTC, Jasmine was the first name that he threw out there. And, uh, you know, she's finally made it to the UFC. Since that time, though, she did lose a fight at CFFC to Elise Reed, who's now in the UFC as well, and obviously, it doesn't look the greatest on her record, but if you guys go back and watch that fight, I clearly add rounds one and three in her favor. No idea how she lost that fight. Not sure what the judges were watching there, but is what it is. It comes with the game. Luckily, she still finds her way to the UFC, and I think that they gave her a great matchup here in Kate Hansen to try to get her victory in her debut fight. Now, I don't know what the public love is always with uh, Kay Hansen, right? She closed minus 190 against Jin Yu Fry in a fight that obviously played out kind of closer than the, that line expected. Uh, the Corey McKenna fight, she came in as a pretty decent uh, favorite in that fight as well. She ended up losing that fight, although I do believe she deserved that fight. Uh, but here again, once again, she's coming in as a minus 260 favorite. Now, when she gets her best work done, it's with the takedowns. It's with being able to get her jujitsu jitsu going. Her striking game is still developing, but I got to give Jasmine the edge in the striking now in the grappling realm like i said hansen does have some damn good jujitsu but i do see jasmine improving her grappling game and uh you know i know those guys down there at niagara top team they have a star-studded room of wrestlers and grapplers themselves and i feel like they'll get jasmine ready to go in terms of whatever hansen's going to be bringing to the table in this fight uh add in the fact that we got a five inch height and reach advantage in favor of jasmine jazdu vicious i think that Kay hansen will struggle in this fight right she's been out of the cage for about 14 months dealing with undisclosed things, I don't know what's been going on behind the scenes, uh, but that's a long time to be outside of the cage and now come in against a you know, a Jasmine who's about 31 or 32 years old, she is a woman, and Kay is still around that 22 23 year old mark, um, she's still tr- really. Crafting her way into her MMA game. Now she does have a little bit more experience inside the MMA cage, but I do think that Jasmine's background will allow her to make up for the lack of MMA experience she has in comparison to what Kay Hansen brings to the table here. Regardless, I see this fight if it plays out on the feet for 15 minutes. I got to favor uh, Jasmine here, especially with her reach advantage and her striking advantage. Uh, and if this gets into the grappling position, I think it's going to be a little bit more 50-50, right? I do think that Jasmine is underrated, which is why she's at the line that she's currently at. And I think she's going to spring the upset here. Again, I'm leaving my Canadian bias aside here. I think that uh, she's being undervalued in this spot. There's the whole fade contender series uh, narrative going around as well. But I don't think that this is one of those spots that you want to be fading the contender series spot. So uh, I'm going to be going with Jasmine, Jazda and I think she wins this fight via decision. Matt Frivola versus Ganero Valdez. We got minus 180 on Frivola and plus 160 on the debuting Ganero Valdez. Now, Valdez, if you guys watched his contender series fight uh, against Patrick White, you guys were more than likely entertained. Absolute slugfest of a fight where both these guys knew that the contract was on the line and they knew they had to do it in an impressive fashion. And luckily for Valdez, he had his low spots in that fight as well but luckily for him in the second round he's able to land a beautiful punch to knock out Patrick White and secure his contract but god damn, the man was close to a minus 1100 favorite that night and he almost let it slip through his fingers as uh, Patrick White was putting up more of a fight than he had expected that night but patrick white alaska fc product and if you guys have been following me for a while you guys know i love fading alaska fc products but to have that close of a fight with a guy like that is a bit of a red flag for me now uh Gennaro valdez i feel like a lot of his uh regional success has come against very low level competition right uh his guzman fight where the guy was six and four uh it seemed like he slipped in that fight and valdez was able to take advantage of that getting the fight to the ground and then eventually finding the finish the arzmendi fight the guy was was eight and three decent record but it didn't seem like he had much rest in game at all and uh guanero was able to take advantage of that uh bautista one and two gives up a standing rear naked choke without almost with nearly no resistance um so there are a couple of spots uh throughout his career on the regional scene where you can be like okay maybe the the skill difference was just too vast and by too vast i mean like he's mediocre and all these other guys were very low level uh he has decent power in his hands but when he when he gets most of his success going it's with the takedowns. It's when these getting these guys to the ground and uh really just kind of grinding them from on top. Uh, but the funny thing is if you guys go back and watch his portales fight where the the kid was 4-0 going into that fight, portales controlled him for the majority of that fight before he ran out of gas and then Valdez was able to find himself on top of him and then eventually get the finish of his own. Uh, I'm not sold on him, man. I'm really not. I'll I'll say this though. I see a lot of people saying that he has a gas tank problem because of that Patrick White fight. You guys try to go out there and fight that with that type of intensity with that type of pressure with that type of pace for two minutes and see how you look at the end of it i get it he's a fighter he should be okay with that but that was an insane pace to be able to keep up so i'll give him a little bit of a pass in regards to him having cardio issues uh just based off of that patrick white fight but I still think that he's in for trouble here against uh, Matt Favola, who I think is just a much better fighter overall. He's the better grappler. He's the better wrestler. He's a decent striker, but the only thing that's keeping me from making Matt Favola a lock of the night play here is the fact that he's just a little bit too fragile. He's a little bit too delicate in terms of his durability. He has three losses on his record, two of them where he's been knocked out and it's not a good knockout either both of them he's getting just put out it's not like there are just quick stoppages or anything like that there were bad knockouts and Gennaro valdez could absolutely find that knockout in this uh in this fight as well but rather than play Gennaro at you know plus 180 whatever he's at plus 160 like i said i think the uh, inside the distance is around plus 300 and even the uh the ko line which hasn't dropped yet i'm assuming it's going to be closer to plus 400 it would be m- Better to play that line because skill for skill, I think Frivola absolutely blows him out of the water. Everybody that Frivola has faced is much better than Valdez, in my opinion. And I think that Frivola could wrap this guy up. I think he could even choke him out in this fight if he's able to uh, get him to the ground, which I expect him to do. So uh, violence is not a bad spot here. The under two and a half is sitting around plus one hundred. I think that that's good. That's a good spot as a bet. uh But the way that I'm, I might approach it this way. I might not do it, but I might take some for Vola money line because the, the odds seem to be coming down now. I remember for Vola, you know, a couple of days ago was around minus two twenty. Now the money's coming in, pushing him down to minus one eighty. I'm going to wait out fight week and see how much lower he gets and how much hype this Valdez kid uh, continues to uh, produce from the public here. Uh, but for Volo money line and then Valdez KO small just to hedge that out just in case of, you know, a Valdez possible knockout. So... A couple different ways you can play this fight, but if we're talking skill for skill, Frivola runs through this guy as long as he doesn't get knocked out because again, his chin is a is a is a huge red flag. Um and that is deterring me from really going deep on Frivola in this spot. But still, I'm gonna take Frivola and I'll take him to win this five year second round submission. Vanessa Demopolis versus Silvana Juarez Gomez or Gomez-Juarez. I'm going to always mess that up, but it is Silvana Gomez-Juarez. Uh, we got minus 130 on the Demopolis side and plus 110 on Juarez here. Now, you guys remember Juarez from her uh, short notice UFC debut spot against Lupita Godinez, where Godinez was able to ground her. Uh, had a little bit of trouble in terms of securing those positions as Juarez did a good job of getting back to her feet, but ultimately, Godinez is able to find that arm and lock on that armbar and was able to get the tap there. Now Juarez was scheduled to fight the following week against uh, Maria Silva, I believe her name was, on the Contender Series, but uh, Godinez's opponent obviously fell out, and they called on Juarez to take the fight on a couple days earlier notice and against a completely different opponent she agreed and ultimately she ended up coming on the losing end but i believe that the ufc was grateful for the fact that she uh, took the fight on short notice and now she's getting another scrap here against vanessa demopoulos demopoulos on the other hand, she's coming off an over underwhelming performance uh, against jj aldrich last time around in a spot where aldrich almost finished her in that second round by having a ton of success in the striking, but she was having her way on the ground, even though the black belt in Vanessa Demopoulos didn't really come in handy there. You know, she was trying to threaten with armbars. She was trying to threaten with a very high guard when she was on her back. Unfortunately, JJ Aldrich is well, too well versed in that range and was able to stay out of those positions, but still land enough of her own striking that she was able to get the judge's decision. Once it got there, uh, this fight, in my opinion, a 50-50 fight you know it may be a slight edge to the Juarez side here but Vanessa Demopoulos needs to get this fight to the ground because I believe that Juarez is the much better striker in this situation the speed might be on the Demopoulos side but what speed if there's no real technique or anything really behind it to you know fuel that speed so uh you know if if uh, Vanessa does go out there and try to just strike with uh Juarez for 15 minutes I don't think it'll go the greatest for her I think that Juarez hits a little bit harder I think she's a better striker all around she shows off calf kicks every now and then as well, which I think will come in handy in this spot. In my opinion, Vanessa needs to wrestle her ass off. But from everything that I've seen on tape, nothing really makes me believe that she's going to be super successful in doing so. Nor would leads leads me to believe that she should be favored in this position. Uh, again, having that black belt in your back pocket is a great thing, but if you're not able to use it effectively, it means jack shit. And that's exactly what's going to happen here, uh, in my opinion, against Juarez. I we've seen Juarez stuff takedowns in the past, and even in the uh, the Godinez fight, you see her doing a good job of getting back to her feet uh i think if she brings that same level of defense and ability to get back to her feet from that she did in the godinas fight into this fight i think she wins this fight without issue but She's 36 years old, you know, she's really getting up there in age, Uh, she's going to be at a speed disadvantage, and Demopolis may only need one uh, takedown to secure that uh, that finish, but again, she doesn't seem the greatest uh, in terms of locking up those submissions uh, to, you know, to to the best of uh, her abilities. You know I believe the last submission victory that she got was that inverted triangle choke against Sam Hughes uh, where she found herself pretty much losing that entire fight until Sam Hughes put herself into that position and then Demopolis was able to take advantage of that and get the tap herself. Uh, Actually I I, I think uh, Sam Hughes actually went out if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, uh, if this fight stays on the feet, I think it's Juarez's fight. And that's the side that I'm leaning here. Again, nothing from Demopolis's wrestling game leads me to believe that she's going to be successful in taking this fight to the ground. The reason that Lupita was successful is she chain wrestled. She tied one uh, uh, attempt behind another. She stayed on her like glue and she was able to get that takedown. Even when uh, Juarez still got up after that, she timed her takedown perfectly and was able to secure that. I just don't know if Demopolis has that you know consistent takedown chain wrestling type of game i haven't seen anything on tape that leads me to believe that so i'm going to be going with the Juarez side here uh no big confidence though uh you know i I think the line is accurate where it is roughly around a pick'em. uh if it does start swinging towards the demopolis side i think there's going to be little value on the Juarez side uh as a you know a slight underdog uh again completely 50 50 fight it all comes down to if demopolis can get this fight to the ground and if she's not i think that war starts starts to run run away with it as the fight starts to go on so i'm going to be going with uh gomez Juarez. uh i think there's a slight chance that she could find the finish in this fight uh Given the the striking difference, I believe that there is. And, you know, uh Juarez does have a little bit of heat and zest behind her shots as well. That I think that if she's able to accumulatively land on Demopolis here, she should be able to get that finish. But uh again, it's women's MMA. Not often do we get a finish. So my prediction is gonna be uh Juarez by decision. Uh, but depending on what the line drops at for Juarez inside the distance, I might take a little bit of a poke as I do think it's live here considering how I expect the striking exchanges to transpire. So uh, official prediction, Silvana uh, Gomez-Juarez via decision. Michael Morales versus Trevin Giles. We got minus 140 on the UFC newcomer Michael Morales and plus 120 to return on Trevin Jowes. Now, once I saw this line, I'm like, okay, There's got to be a lot of hype involved here with the Morales kid, right? If you guys remember, he was uh, on the ultimate or sorry on uh, the contender series this past season and uh, Dana White was very high on him, right? He had a lot of praise for him saying that he could potentially be a big star and that could possibly be rubbing off on the betting line or even the betting public here, which is why we have the line currently where it is. But Trevin Giles is a tested veteran that is no slouch, right? Uh, he he's very uh, fast with his jab. His hand speed is uh, one of the top in that division. Um, his movement is great and i don't think he's going to be intimidated by this kid and michael morales who i believe is still only 22 years old uh he was able to get that victory on the uh, contender series uh by decision uh we finally saw a fighter that did not seem intimidated by the striking or the power of morales right if you go back and watch some of the uh the regional tape on morales it seems like a lot of those fighters were even beaten before they came inside the cage and even uh, they didn't even look like they deserved to be in the cage to begin with so uh, uh morales was able to really build his name off of uh, a lot of these guys that again probably didn't deserve to be inside the cage then he got a shot on the contender series against a legitimate guy i'll give it to uh him in terms of being able to get the victory in that fight but i think he's going up against a much better fighter here in trevin giles who's much more proven especially at the higher level and i think it's a little bit crazy that morales is a, a favorite over giles in the spot yeah i know giles got knocked down in his last fight against Dricus as Duplessis, but duplasses is a very uh legitimate ufc fighter in his own right as well so uh i I think trevin won't be intimidated by morales here i think if he is able to get his jab off and can use his uh, movement properly he can start to touch up morales here and we could see morales start to get discouraged in this spot morales is a solid striker right but again we don't know how much he truly brings to the table considering the level of competition that he's been going up against yeah it looks nice when you're beating up on somebody that doesn't want to fight but uh how does it look against when you're actually going up against some resistance apparently he's a part of, or was a part of the ecuadorian national wrestling team uh so he has a little bit of that wrestling in his back pocket if we need it we saw it in the uh, contender series fight he was able to reverse positions a couple of times but i want to see him try to do it against a guy like trevin jaws first before i'm willing to bet him at chalk uh chalk money or even at a favorite line so uh i'm actually leaning jaws in this spot uh, i'm not a big jaws guy myself so i don't think i'll actually be placing a bet on it but in terms of a prediction it's hard to pick against a, guy that's a 10 and true uh ufc veteran compared to the guy 22 year old 22 years old uh just about to make his debut and only fighting a legitimate guy for the second time in his career so uh this might be a veteran lesson incoming for trevin jaws uh to to teach the little kid that you know that you still got some miles to make up but with that said i still think that morales kid has some potential and could potentially turn into something uh it could be just too early right now to be taking on a guy like Trevin Giles, though. So um, my pick's going to be Giles. I'll take him to win by decision. Uh, I would be a little bit uh, hesitant in regards to Morales possibly finding that chin of Giles as well. But I think Giles, Giles should be able to take it and then uh, go on to win a 50-minute decision in this spot. So official prediction here is going to be the veteran Trevin Giles, and I'll pick him to win this fight via decision. Tony Gravely versus Simon Oliveira. We got minus 240 on Gravely and uh, minus 190, or sorry, plus 195 on the debuting Simon Oliveira. Uh, Simon Oliveira I should say. Um, You guys will remember Oliveira from his contender series fight against Jose Alde. Uh, Alde actually took that fight on short notice uh, but still put up a decent fight there against Oliveira but Oliveira showed a great overall MMA game. Great striking, great Muay Thai clinch as well as great takedowns as well where he was able to kind of control Alde on the ground when he needed to get it there. Um, On the regional scene you know very skeptical in terms of the level of competition that he was going up against there but he's dispatching of the Guys, pretty quickly and pretty easily as well. Uh, when he does start to take levels uh, or steps up in competition, he starts to falter a little bit, right? Mainly his last loss against Ari Farias, or Ari Farias, I believe the kid's name was. Uh, high level black belt was able to ground Olivero over and over again and pretty much just control him there. But Olivero did a decent job of getting up every now and then, and I think that's going to be important here, especially in a fight against Tony Gravely, who really seems to drop off as the fight starts to go on, especially if he's forced to grab heavily which is kind of his game right he likes to go out there get his opponent to the ground and either find a finish or uh you know he ends up gassing out and then his opponents are able to kind of take advantage of that there is no way gravely can shoot desperately here because if he does he might get caught in one of Oliveira's guillotine chokes which i believe he has six or seven of on his record the guy is more than aware of whenever that opportunity arises and he's able to lock it up and take it on home with him and that could absolutely happen here as well if this fights on the feet I think Oliveira has the advantage as well. With his striking, with his Muay Thai, and with his kicks. Gravely is getting better though with his striking, right? We saw him drop Nate Maness at the end of the first round in their fight. If he had maybe 15 or 20 more seconds, he likely would have finished that fight, but time expired. And then in the second round, uh seemed like he started to slow down a little bit. Maness landed a beautiful counter and dropped him and finished him. I could see that happening here as well, man. Simon is uh, quite durable. He's quite hard to put away. And if Gravely struggles at all in terms of keeping him down, anytime this fight is on the feet, I think Gravely to be in trouble, but I don't have uber confidence on Oliver because I've been pretty big on Gravely in the past. Man, I think he has a great skill set. It's just can his gas tank fuel him through the 15 minutes if that's what it's needed here? Uh, so, a couple things that I've been looking at. Uh, Oliveira inside the distance at plus 400 I think that has a little bit of value there but even the under two and a half around plus 115 I think that's a damn good spot as both guys have finishing capabilities um I do lean Oliveira ever so slightly though I do think that he'll likely lose the first round so possibly a live betting opportunity there for anybody that likes to live bet uh but going into second and third round I think it's going to be harder and harder for Gravely to hold Oliveira down. And then from there, I think Oliveira is going to start letting his strikes go. And I think it might pull out a uh, desperation takedown from Gravely, which I think Oliveira will more than likely take full advantage of. So um, not big on this spot. I don't have a bet on Oliveira. I'll likely take a poke on the under two and a half and anything. But in terms of a prediction, I'm going to go with the contender series alum here and uh, Simon Oliveira. I'll take him to win this fight. I'm going to say uh, third round submission. Jack Della Maddalena going up against Pete Rodriguez we got minus 300 on Della Maddalena it's going to be a mouthful to keep saying that name so I might just go with Jack Della to to make this a little bit easier minus 300 on Jack and plus 250 the return on Pete Rodriguez who's taking this fight on short notice now Jack was actually scheduled to go up against Raleigh Alves Alves forced to pull out in step in steps Pete Rodriguez and luckily for Jack I don't think it's going to be much of a worry for him here as he should be able to go out there and do what a minus 300 does now let's talk a little bit about pete right the guy is just a juggernaut a tank he's uh, a thick dude standing at 5556 five, i believe uh, not the biggest dude at 175 pounds or yeah at 170 pounds but still likes to go out there and throw massive heat and it shows in his professional career he's 4-0 and all of his wins have come inside the uh, first round i think his longest professional fight was like two minutes and 25 seconds but a lot of these guys again probably didn't seem like they deserve to be in there his second fight against yasser guzman uh he he drops him with a flying knee within 10 seconds and then follows up with a bunch of ground and pound that was all to the back of the head uh the commentators don't even talk about it uh the referee doesn't even warn him about it they just stop the fight give the win to pete but you see Guzman kind of just walking around the cage touching the back of his head like what's going on right I I plead for you guys if you guys have fight pass go back and watch that fight Guzman versus Rodriguez and you see every single shot land to the back of the head there but is what it is Pete comes out with a with a a quick finish there as well Uh, he has tremendous power I'll give him that but when you go back and watch some of his earlier tape right his amateur fights there's a couple fights where you see him taken down and controlled and and worked very bad but it's on the feet where he has most of his success but even on the feet You know, a lot of it is just power-driven. There's no real technique that's going with it. He doesn't really train at a very good gym or anything like that. And he's kind of just coming on short notice here as a guy that's just been spectacular with big knockouts in his first four fights. The UFC sees that. They plug him into the UFC now. But I think he's going to start to falter under these big league guys. And I know that this is the debut as well as uh, for Jack. But since going 0-2 to start his professional career, the guy's been absolutely killing it and going on a run now where he's finishing most of his opponents. And then obviously he had that uh, beautiful performance against Anhelusa Lusa uh, on the contenders series where it went the full 15 minutes and he was able to get his hand raised via decision in that fight. He is the much better striker. Uh, he has a ton of power in his hands too. If you guys go back and watch his regional tape, he puts these guys out cold. He has tremendous power and I think that's going to come into play here as well. He has great uh, wrestling as well. I believe that's his background is in the wrestling game. So he's going to be able to get the takedowns here if he intends to. And then on the ground, very good slicks, transitions, submission attempts, uh, getting into damn good positions. Even when he's on his back, one of his favorite moves is uh, the Kimura uh, sweep where he just goes for the Kimura and either it forces the guy to get back up or he's able to reverse it completely and then end up on top as well. I'm very impressed with we have a jack here he's more than deserving of that minus 300 price tag uh that pete rodriguez power is just a little bit of a concern so there's two plays that i'm looking to go with here you can parlay jack if you want that's that's besides the fact but the under one and a half currently sits at minus 108 i believe 20 i have the number here 21 out of their combined 26 fights that's including their amateur careers as well both of these guys put together uh 21 out of 26 times the under one and a half hits and that's currently sitting around even money so i'll likely be taking a shot on that but i think the lock in this fight and uh i I use the word lock pretty pretty significantly here is the fight doesn't go to decision i think one of these guys is going to go out i think it's actually going to be pete who suffers his first ever professional loss here uh and i think it's either going to come late first round or early second round that's where we see jack start to let his hands go and find that knockout victory or even submission but i think he'll probably knock pete out here so i'm gonna go um actually you know what i i think he will use his wrestling and i think he'll eventually find that submission or ground and pound i'm gonna lean more so with the submission though so we'll go uh jack della maddalena via submission in round one Ilya Taporia versus charles Jordan, and we got no odds yet for this. This fight was announced maybe several hours ago, a couple hours ago. Uh, but I'm assuming we're going to get some heavy chalk on Tapuri in the spot. Even if he opens around minus 200, he's likely going to get bet up to about minus 400, minus 450. There is a ton of hype around him and well-deserved too, because I truly think he'll be a solid top five prospect in no time. Uh, I was hoping that he'd be able to get that uh, Evil web fight, uh, just because it would have a little bit more ramifications in terms of the rankings. But here against Charles Jourdain, still a very entertaining fighter that he's going up against. And this could be an entertaining fight as well, if toporia decides to you know accept the duel here and, and uh, strike with uh Jordan rather than looking to take the easier path of victory in my opinion which is going to be the grappling the wrestling and the jiu-jitsu here charles jordain very fun fighter very exciting fighter and he's going to be just over a month shy of his last performance where he was able to get that win over andre Ewell, uh where he showed a you know a ton of thirst for blood and thirst for war in that fight where he just kept going forward and um you know, it was very, making it very difficult for uh, uh Andre Ewell to get his own game going here though uh, i think he's going to have to mind his keys and cues a lot because at any point i think toporia toporia <laughs> uh, i think toporia can drag this fight to the ground and use that black belt very well and just absolutely dominate jordan on the mat again this could be a fun fight if it stays on the feet but i don't expect toporia to uh dilly-dally too much here i think he wants to drag this fight to the ground get jordan out of there maybe get a performance bonus and then get back in the cage against a ranked opponent so that he can continue his ascent up that uh, up that ranking uh And that's exactly what I'm uh, expecting here. I'll likely have Topori in most of my parlays. Again, Jordan, great fighter. Love the kid. Watched him since his amateur days. But. This is a very tough matchup for him. If you historically go back and look at what uh, has given Jordan problems, it's guys with grapple-heavy game plans, and that's exactly what Toporia should be able to um, implement in this spot. So I'm going Toporia. Again, no odds out yet. I'm expecting it to be chalk. Um, I'll likely take some inside the distance too in case he uh, can go out there and submit Jordan, which I think he should be able to. Uh, But uh, just to be on the safe side, I'll probably throw him in a couple parlays here. So... um. Official prediction, uh, Ilya Taporia. I'm going to say TKO. You know what? Let's just say inside the distance uh, for for the sake of the podcast. Let's go inside the distance TKO um, second round. Howny Barcelos versus Victor Henry we got minus 350 on Barcelos and plus 2 uh, 285 on Victor Henry here now this fight's been scheduled a couple times i believe it was supposed to be happening on December 18th uh it could be covid issues i believe that forced one of the guys to pull out then they got moved to the January 15th card didn't transpire on there either, but luckily here we are getting at UFC 270 because I just want to see a honey Barcelos throw down, right? The guy doesn't have too much time to be fighting at a high level, so let's get the fights on way especially against a guy in Victor Henry who's just making his UFC debut. It won't really push uh, Barcelos too far up the ladder, but at least he'll be able to get into the cage and hopefully uh rebound from his last loss against Timur Valiev, which is a very underwhelming performance from him. Now, in that fight, I think his downfall was the fact that he just didn't throw enough, right? He got behind on the scorecards in round one. Round two, he picked it up a little bit more. But then in round three, he started to fall back again, right? I think it also had to do a little bit with Timor Vallejo's movement. Uh, Very uh, mobile target, right? It's very difficult to get a beat on him and, and try to find where he is to get your striking off um and then even the the wrestling was very difficult to implement based on the amount that value was moving in that fight and it just rendered you know uh, Honey barcelos useless in that fight he just couldn't get anything going now in this fight against victor henry he's fighting another grappler here uh victor henry no slouch either right he's been around the scene for a long time uh he trains under josh barnett it's been a long time coming that he deserved a shot in the ufc and i'm glad it's finally coming this is a guy i expect to see get a couple wins inside the ufc Just not here against a a top-level opponent like Honey Barcelos, which is why the line is currently sitting at minus 350. I like uh, Barcelos in this spot, as long as he goes out and uh, out there and throws, right? I'm hoping that the timor Value fight isn't a sign that he's starting to age, but more so the fact that he was just couldn't get a beat on him. If he throws in this fight, he will more than likely get the, the victory here against uh, Victor Henry. Even in the grappling, I think Barcelos is the better grappler as well. I think he's the better uh, wrestler. I think he's the better jiu-jitsu artist. Um, and then even in the striking, I think he's the much better striker as well. Uh, I'm finding it hard to believe where Victor Henry can win this fight. The only way he does is if he has more output than Barcelos. And Barcelos is still suffering for whatever it was uh, he did in or whatever he was suffering from in the uh, Timur Valley of fight. So um, I like Barcelos quite a bit here. I don't mind him as a parlay piece. Again, Victor Henry will have a decent a career in the UFC. He just won't be able to win his first fight in the UFC here against a very high-level opponent in Harley Barcelos. So uh, official prediction here is going to be Barcelos. I'll take him to win by decision. Uh I think his submission prop is actually a little bit live here. Uh last time around is roughly around plus one fifty plus four fifty-five. Um the the odds makers have yet to drop the props once again for this fight. But uh last time around it was plus four fifty five and I like that spot. I'll take a little bit of a sprinkle on there. But more off, uh but but I will actually have uh, Barcelos likely in a, a couple parlays. Uh, so yeah, I'm going Barcelos. And I'll take him to win this fight by decision. But let's drop a little bit of a sprinkle on that submission prop as well. Rodolfo Vieira versus Wellington Terman. We got minus 275 for Rodolfo Vieira. And plus 220 the return on Wellington Terman. Now, Rodolfo Vieira coming off a successful bout uh, last time around against Dustin Stolzfus In a fight where... He kind of did the unexpected, which was get a victory in the third round of one of his fights. And he showed a lot of discipline in that fight. Let's give him some credit. You know, that entire first round, it seemed like it was um uh, a part of their game plan to not even attempt a single takedown in that round so that he could just go out there and feel out the ring a little bit feel out the cage and just throw his one twos down the middle he had a leg kick in there here and there but more more often than not his go-to move or combination in that first round was that one two down the middle it seemed like they just kept drilling that into him uh in the training camp and he wanted to go out there and showcase it but as soon as round two hit the guy dove for legs immediately and he was successful in terms of getting the fight to the ground however he was not able to lock up that choke in that second round um scorecards were all over the place actually in that fight it was actually 1-1 going into that third round and luckily for uh Adolfo Vera he was able to secure another takedown in that round and then eventually find a submission to get Dustin Stolzfus out of there but that's not anything new for Stolzfus right we even saw it in his last fight against Gerald Mearschardt even when he's having success he still finds his way to get choked down in the third round of a fight. And that's why I'm not putting as much credit on that Stoltz's win for Adolfo Vieira. If anything, it showed us that he can follow a game plan. But now I want to see him try to follow a game plan against a much better opponent, especially here in another black belt in Wellington Terman. And yes, I know there are levels to black belts. Obviously, Adolfo Vieira is on a completely different level than what Terman brings on the mat. However, this is MMA. Luckily for Wellington Terman, he doesn't have to worry about tying up with uh, Adolfo Vera on the ground if this fight does find itself there. However, uh, you know, if he does get outside of this first round, which is when Adolfo Vera is most dangerous, I think he can really make this a fight and really make it, you know, not a plus 220 type of uh spot for him you know i think that the those odds are absolutely out of whack for him yes i agree that vieira should be the slight favorite here because he is the more skilled jiu-jitsu practitioner and i think he's strong enough to eventually get this fight to the ground but his productivity is going to drop off tremendously after round one in my opinion maybe not to the point where he's sucking and win like the anthony hernandez fight but i think that tournament is going to force him to work a little bit more especially compared to what dustin Stolzfus was uh putting on Adolfo in that fight uh Termin, easily the better striker right he has a great uh some solid power in his hands good combinations and even his uh front kick up the middle to the body i think that's going to be very important for him in this fight as he should start to suck the energy dry of Vera as soon as he's able to from the first minute of this fight start working the body start you know putting money in the bank so that in the second and third round you can reap those rewards I do think that this is a spot where Wellington Terme could find that finish in the third round or win a decision in this fight. I don't get the whole, you know, why everybody's all of a not all of a sudden, why everybody is just. Uh, engulfed in uh, this Rodolfo Vieira side of things uh, and you know betting him all the way back up to minus 275 again I believe he did open up around minus 300 minus 350 and money has been coming in on Termin. but still even at minus 275 I think this line is a little bit out of whack so uh yeah I I like the Wellington Termin side here Uh, last thing I'll say about him I know a lot of people are going to be low on him because of the Sam Alvey fight and having as close of a fight as he did there however You know, say what you want about Sam Alvey. Yeah, he's not the, you know, in his greatest form in 2021 or even 2022. But the one thing that seems to hold up and withstand the test of time is his takedown defense and his ability to get back to the feet. And that's the game plan that Terman had was drag the fight to the ground and try to get your jujitsu going. However, Sam Alvey did a good job in terms of nullifying that. But even with that Wellington Termin was still able to pull out the victory even after getting two points taken away for consistent eye pokes that he was uh hopefully uh he gets under control when he goes in there and fights Adolf Adolfo Villar this weekend so um I like Termin. Uh, I don't think we'll see him obviously you know take the same approach as he did in the Sam Alvey fight however I don't think he would um I don't I won't leave it out of the question in terms of if he tries to engage in the jiu with Adolfo Vieira, the longer this fight goes. You know, in the second and third rounds, that's where I can see him going for the takedown and trying to get the better of Vieira on the ground. Especially when Vieira is starting to huff and puff a little bit. I think Terman has the obvious cardio advantage here. And I think he's the better fighter overall as an MMA fighter. But, again, I'm giving the slight advantage to Vieira in this spot, given his uh, jiu-jitsu credentials. Uh, but... At plus 220, I got to take the shot on uh, Wellington Turman in this spot. The odds are way too wide, and he has a damn good chance of winning this fight. He's not Dustin Stoltzfus. We know that guy was a complete bust to begin with. Wellington Turman, he has solid potential, and I do think he has the chops to go out there and pull off this big upset. So... My prediction for this is going to be Wellington Turman by decision, which is currently saying around plus 600 or plus 550, if I'm not mistaken. But he does have a damn good shot of finishing this fight in the third round as well. So you guys know me. I'm that third round prop hunter. I'm going to be looking to sprinkle a little bit on Turman round three, which we hopefully get plus 1,400, plus 1,200. But I'm sure the bookies will be wise to it. uh, But I'll be keeping my eye out for it. So official prediction for this matchup, I'm going to go Wellington Turman, and I'll pick him to, to win this fight via decision. Cody Stamen versus Saeed Nurmagamadov. We got plus 170 on Stamen and minus 200 on Saeed Nurmagamadov. Now, this is a fight that shows you the perfect example of Russian tax being applied to a certain fighter here, especially if your last name is um there's, there's normally two types of Dagestanis whenever they come to the UFC, right? There's the East Coasters and the West Coasters. And what I mean by that is the East Coasters normally uh, put themselves together with Mark Henry uh, over there in New Jersey. And those guys are you know usually guys that like to go out there and strike rather than use their grappling. And then on the West Coast, you got the AKA Dagestani guys like the Khabibs and the Islams and the Umar and the uh, Those guys like to take that grapple-heavy approach more so than uh, the, the striking uh, first guys from the east coast like some of the other guys that you'll find on the east coast Zabit another guy that likes to align himself with Mark Henry um, Timur Valiyev and obviously here you got another guy in Saeed Nurmagomedov who likes to do that as well a lot of spinning stuff a lot of kicking that's kind of his game he likes to play on the outside at kickboxing range and just kind of render his opponents uh useless by just staying at range moving well and staying that distance and using his kicks to to provide him the range that he needs to, to stay comfortable on the flip side with Cody sta we know he has a wrestling heavy approach but he is a very solid striker in his own right i don't think that the striking is going to be a completed one-sided uh shellacking for the side or Madoff side um i do think that Stamen will keep it competitive you know he has a decent kicking game his boxing is ever improving as well uh but i think with that range that he's gonna have to deal with here he's gonna have to crash the pocket to be able to get his striking off especially his boxing but luckily for him he has the wrestling here in my advantage he has the wrestling advantage too i think he will be able to ground side when he needs to uh maybe not be able to hold him down for long periods of time but i do think he'll be able to land takedowns uh more so later in this fight probably in the second and third round uh and if he's if he has a Proper game plan and proper approach here. I think all of it is based on keeping sight Nurmagomedov on his back foot. I think this should be way closer, uh way more closer in terms of odds here, right? Minus two hundred is outrageous in my opinion. Honestly, I think Stamen probably deserves to be the slight favorite in this spot. Maybe like a minus one twenty or minus one twenty five, because I think this fight will be competitive. The only way it looks like a minus two hundred is if Cody does not crash the pocket and if Cody does not go for takedowns. Then Then, yes, Saeed will look great from the outside kicking and just keeping him at bay, but... Stamen's very you know he's very reliable in terms of going out there and going for takedowns you see it over and over again against jimmy rivera obviously the mirab he was just a clusterfuck of grappling considering Marab's game the brian Kellerher fight you know i don't think he decided i don't think he needed to go for takedowns in- as much in that fight as he was probably the more complete striker there right brian boom Kellerher has a ton of power in his hands but uh cody Stamen was doing a really good job in terms of getting in and getting out without taking too much damage and that's where he was able to let his striking go because he didn't have to worry about being outranged either, right? Brian Keller is pretty much the same size as him. That's why he was more so reliant on his striking in that fight. But then, more often than not, the Song Yedong fight, the Jimmy Rivera fight... All these fights are ones that he's going for takedowns. And we've seen Saeed taken down and you know controlled for a little bit of time against a guy in Hani Barcelos who has comparable wrestling uh, to Mr. Cody Stamen, in my opinion. So uh, yeah, this this fight's going to play out much closer than the line indicates. Uh, I believe it's a perfect example of why the Russian tax uh, is there. You know what I mean? People see that Nirmal name and they'll automatically bet him, especially if they're a casual, right? If they don't run tape, they just automatically think that this guy's going to go out there and try to go for takedowns and try to win the fight that way they're going to be pleasantly surprised when they're seeing the American actually getting the better of the grappling exchanges and that's exactly what I'm expecting to happen this coming weekend so uh, I will more than likely have a play on Cody's statement at this spot plus 170 is absolute disrespect for a guy that i believe is a perennial top 10 bantamweight and saeed is still trying to crack his way into that so uh, i think he's gonna have a tough task in doing so i think cody Stamen wins this fight on optics and takedowns and i think that the judges gave it to him so uh, official prediction here is going to be cody Stamen pulling off the upset via decision michelle pereira versus andre fialo uh we got minus 280 on pereira and plus 240 the return on fialo um interesting matchup here right uh pereira was actually scheduled to fight muslim salikov on the january 15th event unfortunately salikov was forced to pull out in steps fialo on short notice and that was supposed to take place last week unfortunately uh one of the uh, cornermen i believe for fialo tested positive for covid and uh, they were forced to push the fight back to this card at ufc 270 but uh glad that we're still getting the fight uh it should still be an exciting fight right both guys bring the heat they bring uh knockout power as well uh, the interesting thing about Andre Fialo here is uh, just his style, right? The guy has a ton of knockout power. Just watch his last fight against Stefan Sekulich, former UFC fighter, uh, who he just absolutely grounded with a beautiful elbow uh, in the clinch and just absolutely decimated his face there. Uh, beautiful win from there. A lot of people would also know him for being the guy that knocked out James Vick uh, late last year as well. I, uh, sorry, late in 2020, I believe it was, um, and uh, yeah, finished him in the second round, but He didn't look the greatest in the starting there, right? And that's where I'm starting to see some of the issues that guys can present to him as if they're the ones kind of dictating the pace because he kind of allows it, right? A lot of his success comes from being in the boxing range. He needs to be close to his opponents and that's where he starts to let his combinations go and that's where his power starts to come from. But you watch the Chris Curtis fight from back in his PFL days, chris curtis is the one getting off uh pretty much first at all times and that's why he's as successful as he was in that fight um the on uh santos jr fight i'm sorry that the first name of that guy is uh uh, escaping me right now but i believe that fight took place in the lfa and uh yeah santos was just pushing it on him the entire time he was the one going first he was the one initiating the clinching and the grappling exchanges and Fiello was just falling behind he had a great, you know, second round, uh, at least in terms of rocking uh, Santos there. But that after that, he just could not get anything going on. And Santos Jr. was able to uh, grind out that third round and get the decision victory that, that, that time around. But if you see his winning streak right now, it's all finishes, right? He's not a great minute winner. He's not a great... Um, guy to go out there and try to win a fight by decision, right? Michel Pereira is a bad matchup for him, in my opinion, right? Pereira is going to be on the outside. He's not going to be sticking around at boxing range. That's exactly where Fialo needs to to have the fight to find success. Um, Fialo is going to have to come forward and crash the pocket and really blitz forward to try to catch Pereira and then let his strikes go. But I think before he's even able to, Pereira is going to get out of the way and he should be able to, uh, you know, just do what he does, right? Um, earlier in his UFC career, he was very... Uh, chaotic right Uh, the Tristan Connolly fight was a big wake-up call for him that he just can't keep doing that stuff and be successful at the highest level now he still has a bit of that chaos but it's now controlled right you see him even uh, mixing in takedowns as well uh, which is high fight IQ type of things in terms of securing around and making it look very good for the judges and I'm loving the development that we're seeing in this game as well this is a perfect stylistic matchup for him. I completely agree with the line here. I think he's a parlayable piece in this spot. You know, Fialo's no no pushover, don't get me wrong. He's not a, a Justin James type of guy that they're inserting here. Um, Fialo is a legitimate uh, fighter, and I think he will have a couple wins inside the UFC, but Pereira is just not the type of style that will uh, bode well for him. Pereira will move around on the outside, not to mention we're going to have the bigger cage here. So that would definitely benefit him in terms of staying away from the big power of Fiallo. And then from there, he should be able to touch him up. And I think he could possibly even knock him out in this spot, right? Fialo, I don't think he's been knocked, well, he definitely has not been knocked out in any of his uh, UFC or uh, professional MMA fights, but he's, he's there to be hit. He's there to be dinged. And I, that's exactly what I'm expecting Pereira to be successful with here. So I'm going Pereira. Alex, you take him to win in this fight inside the distance uh i'm gonna say knockout let's call it second round co-main event time and we got the flyweight strap on the line here with brandon moreno rematching davis and figueredo after uh two hellacious fights that they that they've already have and now here they are scheduled to fight one more time and i wouldn't be surprised if we get a fourth fight out of them considering that the first one went to a draw the second one obviously a moreno one and there's a damn good chance that uh figueredo could get his strap back uh if he's able to pull off the victory this coming weekend now uh in terms of odds we got the champion coming in at minus 170 and plus 150 the return on the challenger davis and figueredo The interesting aspect of that is the fact that uh, in the first two fights, uh, minus minus 330 was the line on Figueiredo in their first fight. In the second fight, he was lined up minus 210, and now here he is as the plus 150 dog after getting finished by Brandon Moreno in the third round via rear naked choke back at UFC 263 earlier last year. Now here they are once again scheduled to fight each other, and uh, I'm kind of skeptical in terms of the Davison Figueiredo that we saw last time around. Uh, Somebody had tweeted earlier in the fight, and you could see it if you go back and watch the broadcast yourself, that they said that it looked like Davison Figueiredo doesn't look like himself at all, or it could be that Brandon Moreno has really developed and just looks really damn good. Either way, I think it's a combination of both, but more so of the former with Davison uh, not really showing up in my opinion, right? I tweeted out something earlier saying that, uh, you know, it looked like Davison left the God of War in the locker room when he went out there to fight uh, Brandon Moreno at UFC 263, but hopefully he's able to rediscover the God of War and bring him to the cage uh, this time around. Uh, Interesting thing to note here, Figueroa changing camps Similar to what Wiley Zhang did as well before her rematch against Rosnami Yunus. Uh, she went down to Fight Ready. Davison Figueiredo joined her down there at Fight Ready. And although it didn't go well for Wiley Zhang, I do think that we could see a different outcome for the Fight Ready crew here with a, a much better specimen in Davison Figueiredo to work with. Now, I think the main thing that happened in the first fight that didn't happen in the second fight was that Brandon Moreno respected the power a little bit too much of Davison Figueiredo in that first fight, but Figueiredo forced him to uh, respect it right he put the pressure on him from the jump and the interesting statistic here from the first fight and the second fight is that the first fight we saw Davison Figueredo throw over 56 strikes in that first round compared to the 13 strikes that he threw in the first round of the uh, the second fight so a very weird uh uh you know uh, style from Figueredo normally he comes out like a banshee and really tries to get his opponent out of there or at least impose his will early but that's not what happened in the second fight so interesting thing to note there uh the first fight I actually scored at 48 46 you know there was that point deduction I believe in the third round uh for Figueroa for a low blow uh but even with that point deduction I thought he won rounds one two and five uh and then obviously that round three would have been a nine nine but I thought 48 46 was the correct score one of the judges actually gave round five to Brandon Moreno which makes absolutely no sense to me because if you guys look on MMA decisions uh 92 percent of people 92 percent of uh, uh, 883 uh submitted scorecards uh gave round five to davison figueredo which i believed was the correct scorecard for that specific round um yeah I, i'd be interested to see if we would have got the rematch even if uh that uh that fight did go davison's way but the fact that it was a draw obviously there was supposed to re- be a rematch after that um my my question is does brandon moreno really deserve to be a minus 170 favorite after beating a davison figueredo who in my opinion just didn't show up and i don't think so you know i, I i'm going to give moreno credit i don't think he deserved uh to 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 be a plus 170 dog or a plus 260 dog uh in the first two fights against davison but i do believe that this fight is a little bit closer to 50-50 and now let's try to take the improvements into account from the figueredo side especially with him moving over there to fight ready and seeing what They're going to be able to add to his game. Henry Sujudo, Eddie Chaw, all those guys down there. uh, A very specialized training camp they're going to be having for Figueroa. So I can't wait to see what they have in store for Brandon Moreno this weekend. I like Figueroa in this spot, given the odds that we have, plus 150, on a guy that a lot of people didn't expect to be touched in the 125 pound division, even the Moreno fight, right? The first time around, everybody thought it was just a foregone conclusion that Davidson was gonna get him out of there and he was gonna continue his reign of the 125 pound division. But, you know, Moreno made it interesting. So, uh, yeah, the, the odds the first time around, incorrect in my opinion. They should be closer to a pickem in this fight, which is why I'm actually gonna be siding with the Figueredo side not to not just because of the odds but just because of his style as well right he can use that power punching style continuously moving forward and really making his opponents respect his power and i think that's exactly what he's gonna have to do here against moreno to you know get the success back that he had in the first fight compared to the second fight where you know it, it just seems like again it was a very underwhelming performance didn't seem like he was himself at all and i'm expecting to see him uh and dig back deep into that god of war uh that that we're used to seeing from him. So I'm going to be going with Davison Figueredo here. I don't expect him to finish Moreno, you know Moreno, uh tough Mexican chin, very tough to put away uh in five professional I believe five or six professional MMA losses never been finished. He was obviously finished on the Contenders or sorry on the Ultimate Fighter uh by Alexandre Pantoja via, via rear naked choke, but this guy has a cast iron chin. He can be dropped, he can be wobbled but it's very difficult to put him away. Uh, so I do think we'll we'll get something similar to their first fight, uh, a war, hopefully. But I do think that the more impactful and significant shots are going to be coming from the God of War, which is why I'm going to be taking him to win this fight. So I'm going to be going with, uh, and new, uh, Davison Figueiredo to win this fight via decision here we go the main event of UFC 270 and it is to determine the baddest man on the planet we got the heavyweight strap on the line here between champion Francis Ngannou and challenger Cyril Ghan. in terms of odds the challenger is actually the very slight favorite here at minus 125 plus 105 is a return on the champion Francis Ngannou now uh, Cyril Ghan has gone through that heavyweight power punching gauntlet that I've been talking about if you guys have been watching my uh, content for a long time now you guys know I've been alluding to this this heavyweight power punching gauntlet that has four levels. Level one, Walt Harris. Cyril Gunn got to skip level one. Level two, Jairzinho Rosenstreak. We saw him go out there and beat him over a 25-minute period, uh, relegating him to about... Uh, not many strikes i think it was a very low percentage of strikes that uh jerzyny strike actually landed in that fight the third uh level of that Derek lewis i think we got him down to only 16 strikes landed in uh roughly four rounds of fighting and uh cyril Gan was able to uh, dispatch of him later in that fight and now level four boss level here going up against the champion here in francis and ganu these guys all all four of these guys they may not have the skills produce uh or the skills to be one of the best fighters in, in the in in the UFC, but they have the power to back it up, and that's usually what allows them to get their victories. Derek Lewis, we know he's one of the least skilled fighters in the UFC, but boasts the UFC record for most knockouts because he has hellacious power in his hands, and the same thing can be said about Francis Ngannou. However, his skill set is starting to develop to develop more and more ever since he's joined forces with Mr. Eric Nixik. We saw some of those skills on full display against Stepe Miocic when he was able to captured the title early last year where we saw him stuff a takedown and we saw him use leg kicks and body kicks and be a little bit more methodical and surgical with his approach but we still did see that wild winging style at times that has kind of allowed him to you know start to gas out and and slow down as we saw in the first deep fight but luckily for him he's always able to find that knockout blow that allows him to get his hand raised, but this fighter in Cyril Gan will be easily his toughest test to date because of the mastery that Cyril Gan shows in regards to his range management and in terms of not getting hit. I think he boasts one of the best Uh, ratios in regards to strikes uh, significant strikes landed versus significant strikes absorbed at plus 2.97 the guy just goes out there hits and doesn't get hit he does a damn good job of really uh, nullifying the amount of success that his opponents have with their significant strikes and he's just able to get off on his own game and the uh going back to Francis Ngannou in that first fight or that second fight against Tipe, like I said we saw him uh, defend a takedown pretty well and it seemed like everybody just lost their shit saying that oh he's absolutely untouchable now now that he knows how to defend takedowns but you got a guy in Cirurgon who knows how to play the full MMA game and i think that's what's going to cause Francis Ngannou some issues here uh, uh Francis was able to use leg kicks and body work uh to really kind of mix it up with Stepe miocic but it was obviously that big right hand that he was waiting to land eventually on Stepe miocic and that's exactly what happened in the second round allowing him to capture that heavyweight strap however the like I was alluding to earlier the mastery of range for Siro Gon here is going to be the main reason as to why I think gone is going to be able to win this fight I think he can get in and out play with that lead leg kick like he likes to a lot to set up the rest of his offense and more often than not even though he's not throwing with hellacious power like francis and is he's able to kind of get his opponents to start backpedaling and start moving backwards because they're just scared of as to what's coming next so he taps the front leg a little bit then he either goes to the body or he goes up high um you know he he doesn't overextend himself either. He waits for the perfect opportunities to finally let his strikes go and really start to flow in there more and more with the with the offense. Uh, we saw him start to open up with Derek Lewis later in that fight as he start to sense Derek Lewis start to slow down. Not to mention uh the southwest stance here for Siragon could potentially give Francis and issues. Who's quite used to fighting guys uh, that are in the same stance as him in that orthodox stance but Cyril Ghan can play from both stances but he seems most comfortable from that opposite stance southpaw which I think is going to cause Francis some issues in this spot in my opinion Cyril Ghosn is going to go down as one of the greatest heavyweights of all time if he passes this Francis Ngannou test I think uh you know obviously that big right hand is is huge trouble but uh, I think honestly i think that curtis blades could potentially be his toughest opponent because we haven't seen sir deal with a, a grapple heavy approach from any one of his opponents and he doesn't have that you know touch of death like francis and gano does or, or that touch of death that uh Derek lewis does and that's what curtis blades has fall or fell to in the past um but still i think he passes that curtis blades test in this specific one gone just needs to stay away from that big right hand if he's able to do that i think he runs away with his fight his fight iq his speed, his movement, his ability to stick to and execute a game plan is exactly why I expect him to go down as one of the greatest heavyweights of all time. I really like him in this spot. Uh, I, I think if you're looking to play Francis Ngannou, there's an easy, easy hedge opportunity or an easy way to play him. Either play him by a knockout or play him in round one, which currently sits at plus 325, or play him in round two, which is plus 550 as well. Play a combination of those two, and I think you cover most of friend, uh, Francis Ngannou's win equity in this spot. Um, With Cyril Gannou, prime live betting spot for him as well right I will more than likely be invested in surrogagon pre-fight but I'll likely be adding to that as the rounds start to go by because I do expect Francis and ganus to start to slow down as we saw in the first A fight the guy cannot go 25 minutes but luckily for him steepe mioochicho was just as tired as him uh which is why he wasn't able to put away Francis and I think sirogan will be the guy to put away francis and i think if he survives those first two rounds uses the body work as effectively as he can in those first two rounds he's going to start to reap those rewards in rounds three four and five which is where i expect him to get the finish so sirigan round four i think is around plus 1500 or plus 1800 uh sirigan round five is plus 2500 i'm going to be taking sprinkles on those because you know going to that Derek Lewis fight a lot of people just expected Cyril Gaon to now be a decision fighter but it's all about styles it's all about how these guys match up and yeah he can do it to Jerzinho. and yeah he can do it against um, Volkov go at full 25 minutes but as we saw his work start to add up against uh, Derek Lewis he was able to dispatch him as we see the work start to accumulate here against for instance I think we'll see him get him out of there probably in the fourth or fifth round so I really like Cyril Gan in this spot. Obviously, you need to be worried about that big power coming from Francis and Ganu. But I think if there's anybody that's going to be Francis, it's going to be Cyril Gan. Cyril Gan and you. I'm going to take him to win this fight round via round. You know what? Let's call it round five. Round five, TKO and you. Cyril Gan. And that's a wrap on the breakdowns. Plenty of juicy underdogs that I gave you guys over there. But let's see if they're able to go out there this weekend, do the work, and actually cash for us as well. So good luck on that. Uh, If you guys haven't already, make sure you guys hit that like, hit that subscribe, drop a comment as well below. Let me know what your lock of the night play is, and I'll let you know what my thoughts are. But then again, you guys just watch the podcast as well. However, I still like conversing with you guys in the comment section. So please do that. Uh, Check out the Patreon again if you want to support your boy in terms of insurance ensuring that this content continues to come out nice and early for you guys. 5 bucks a month on the Patreon. Link is in the description below. Over 300 members right now. Uh had 400 when I've been on a, a little bit of a slump in terms of my betting at the end of last year, but I'm expecting to soar right above that 400 and 500 Patreon mark as we get back into the groove of things. So shout out to everybody there. And then lastly, shout out to Cobet. Use promo code MMALOTN2 and they'll match your initial deposit up to 100 bucks. Make sure you guys go check them out. All right, that's a wrap. We have one week off. There is a Bellator event next week. I more than likely won't be doing anything for Bellator as I want to get a leg up on the UFC schedule because they're returning February 5th for Strickland versus Hermansen. And you bet the breakdowns are starting to drop on the Patreon for that card as well. If you guys want to get nice and early uh looks on that card make sure you guys check out the patreon all right that's a wrap i'll see you guys in two weeks uh in the meantime enjoy the content throughout the week as well right propping you up on thursday ultimate Wayne show on friday and then obviously on um oh, on wednesday deadlock podcast me and clint are going to be going at it again uh with that podcast as well so shout out to everybody love you guys love the support let's get this money this weekend folks see you guys throughout the week